I believe, sir, there's a few questions you might want to ask me. When we got together in the fall, you were expanding some of your business, but you said, J.D., when we sat down, I got some questions for you and some thoughts. So I'm going to explain them now and who I am to maybe some of the people who follow you, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always admired you from afar. We've gotten to know each other better over the last couple of years. We've known each other for over a decade, I guess. Um, But I've always admired your ability to connect with people at scale Mm -hmm. and even through a camera lens. So tell us a little bit about your story. How did you um, how did you get where you are today in terms of being so influential and so well known? But also, how did you develop those skills? What was that journey like? Well, if you want to go back before the camera was in my hand or someone else's hand taking it from me, I would say it started out with just being interested in storytelling in the class clown, the school play, and the language arts festivals kind of category. So um, I always like to perform, and I was the, you know, so in kindergarten, we, a lot of people do like a kindergarten graduation and kindergarten play. Yeah. And um, I was, it was 99 sheep in the field. I went to a little Christian school, a little church school, and I was the black sheep. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so most of the kids, there's a lot of, we lived in Northern California, so there's a lot of Asian kids and white kids and stuff like that. But I was the black sheep. Everybody had a a white uh, sweatshirt. I had a black sweatshirt. And I think the idea was, you know, how... um, in the New Testament, Jesus gives stories about um, going and finding the lost sheep. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. got a lost child, a lost a lost sheep, a shepherd missing somebody. So anyway, started with that. So I enjoyed giving people a memorable experience from a long time way back. And then actually, fast forward, my mom started signing me up for the uh, school oral language festivals and the, um, you know, the oratory contests and things like that. And then you end up in the plays. And what I really liked was I really, I think a lot of people have watched too much TV. And for me, I could never get enough TV, but I wanted to create what the TV experience gave me. Mm -hmm. It brought me into these families, and I wanted to be in the Full House family or the step-by-step family. I wanted to be Family Matters. I still kind of look like Steve Urkel. So, you know, like, I enjoyed the experience that it gave people, and I said, I want to create that for other people. I just really like it. So that's kind of how it all started, I guess. It was just an interest and a hobby type thing as a kid. Yeah. So you, you've been developing those skills, those storytelling skills and entertaining skills, communication skills for a long time. How did you parlay that, though, into, I mean, at first a job and now really a lifestyle and all, this, all the stuff that you're into? It was really interesting. So I didn't think that uh, my business pursuit when I started to think about college and maybe a career was going to be an actor. And honestly, it's not because I didn't have a lot of skill in those areas. It was because I saw what it took in pursuit of something that was going to be really um, formidable in paying for a family or what. I I desired things that I thought conflicted. Mm -hmm. I don't want to actually go audition all the time or anything like that. So I'm going to have to find another skill in that area. So when I went to school, I started to study the mass communication and the arts around producing. Yeah. Right. So I was in a news program. So we produced. We got to be on camera, but we also were editing. We also were writing scripts and things like that. And I said the mass communication around the idea of performance was cool for me. And so I said, I need to back it. For whatever reason, I told myself, be a little bit practical. 
And for me now, I'm cool with that. But like, got to be careful if you tell yourself, like, just be practical, just be practical. But that's how kind of it started for me. So I started to learn how to produce. And um, I said, you know, what? I want to make and create content that people enjoy. And of course, around that time, since we're, you know, a year apart from each other in age, that's when the social channels were emerging. The MySpace and the Facebook were emerging when we were in high school, high school, college. And, uh, you know, same age as Mark Zuckerberg, that type of thing. Right. So for us, it was a perfect time where some of the things that you like to do and the opportunity to do it on a consumer level, on an individual level, were coming together. So it's like, oh, we can make videos and post them places, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So a lot of people that followed that same path after what you've told us about so far are still just a journalist, right? Nothing wrong with being a journalist. It's great. Right, but, right. But For anybody you, listening, that's you, fine. That's fine. You, we ain't hating. Got, yeah. you, right. But you've, you've gotten what at least I think is a lot more interesting life than, say, somebody who does one thing. Um, so a lot of your peers, I assume, are TV producers and they are journalists and they're all, all kinds of stuff. You've taken a little different path. Tell us Agreed. about that. Yeah, so uh, that's very interesting that you say that because I do believe there are a lot of people in the world that maybe come in certain circles that I have that actually have more talent than me. But the difference for me was I think I had more curiosity mm. about making stuff work in my favor. Mm. And so I spent a lot more time wondering, and this is where TV kind of saved my life and my career path, where a lot of people, oh, they're fat and lazy or unhealthy because they watch too much. For me, it was when I watch television, I'm watching a bunch of people. Let's use the Kardashians because it's a universal theme. Um, they are a universal theme, but it's not like I've ever seen more than one episode. <laughs> but when I watch them on television, they don't have jobs. Like, what are they doing all day? And if they can do it, why can't I figure that out? Like, I'd love to live in these mansions and be friends with Ryan Seacrest. And my dad or stepdad is an Olympic champion and all this stuff. And they're super connected. And I thought, well, what? Someone's doing it. Like, how do I do that? So uh, maybe I can create TV shows that just people watch and then, like checks come from somewhere like i just you know there there's that opportunity so the difference between me and them is i actually almost i had one job after school where i had a potential career and a path for a w2 um in salary but other than that i never thought that i would i could never see myself sitting there long enough mm-hmm. that was really what it was yeah. like there's too many things i was interested in and i thought man there's people making money out there i don't know how to do it yeah but I watch them on TV all the time. So I don't understand why everyone else gets unmotivated, demotivates them to watch TV. Like, I'm just trying to, how do I live like those people? Because I'm watching it all the time. So it fed me for more curiosity. So I think a lot of entrepreneurs have a reference point in their family or, you know, a close friend or somebody that sort of sets expectations. Like for me, my dad was self-employed my whole life, never had a, a real job. And so that was just you know, my set point, like that's what I was expecting for you. It wasn't necessarily somebody in your family, but it was somebody on the other side of the screen. Right. Like, and, and you said, if they can do it, why can't I? I did. Yeah. There were those folks on the airwaves or on the screen. Um, but there were also, uh, a few people in real life. So my dad passed away, but, uh, when I was in college, I worked for two men who owned cleaning companies. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a, upperclassmen in uh, my um, university career. And I worked for guys who um, 
had me mopping and delivering toilet paper and, you know, refilling the soap and things like that at some of their commercial properties. But the thing about these guys were they were real family men. And I thought to myself, while I'm going through an environment of liberal arts education, where they're teaching me how to have some sort of middle management job or something like that, I said, I want to live the life of those guys. See, one of those guys would drop off his truck for me on the campus. He'd go coach soccer practice for his kids, and then I'd go drive around, deliver toilet paper, check on the mops and the supplies, drop that truck back off at his house, have dinner with him and his family, play some Scrabble. And I'm thinking, this is the life I want because he didn't work today. He sent me to go do all the work. You know, me and um, some of the guys that we were working with, some of the amigos who were working with us, you know, that we had this great crew of dudes who I worked with all the time. And I'm thinking, we're doing all the work, but he's getting, I, and he was building a house that had an elevator in it. And for me, that was like, couldn't get any cooler, right? And and he's the nicest man, and yeah. he pays me, and he doesn't even check up on me. He knows I do good work, yeah. but he, and I'm thinking, okay, there's things that I don't understand. See, my folks were not like that, military and regular jobs yeah. and things like that. And I said, this is, I got to go for, I need an, we never had a house with an elevator in it. So yeah. how do I go do those things? Yeah. yeah. So they say that that in five years you'll be the average of the books you read and the people you hang out with, right? Yeah. You buy that? So I do um, in a lot of sense even surrounding those same two guys. So one of the guys in particular was more of a mentor type of father figure to me. I worked for him a little bit longer. But as he was building his new house, this is probably 2006 or 2007, uh, I stole a book off of a bookshelf. They were kind of moving and kind of changing. So I didn't tell them, and I took a book. I mean, I was family to them, but I stole this book off of his bookshelf because I had heard about it, mm-hmm. and it said Rich Dad, Poor Dad on the yeah. cover. Yeah. So nobody told me to read it. I just read it, yeah. and I got enthralled, and after a couple of chapters, like, this is really interesting. And then I kind of told him I stole the book, so I'm sitting in the front cab of his truck, and I said, hey, I took this book from you. I've had it for a couple of weeks. Explain what this is, because that book experience was mirror mirrored his life yeah and i said okay i'm missing something he was the rich dad yes and exactly poor dad. exactly yeah. i'm about to graduate from college and i'm everyone keeps asking what are you going to do are you yeah, submitting right. resumes you're yeah. going to get a job and i'm thinking i want the life you have like this guy and i've never taken a business class in my life i haven't even taken math since junior year of high school so yeah. i'm like lost on i know communication and i enjoy that but yeah, for me, I started hanging around and reading the guys' books off the shelves of the people who I was with, yep. and that was kind of the education. The education started my last two semesters of college. Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of the people that are probably listening to this are are already convinced of the need to read good books and hang out with good people, right? Okay. I told yeah. you before, I love being the poorest, dumbest, least successful person in any room because that's where I learn the most, right? And I think you're the same way, but... What what I'm trying to learn from you now and what you're already good at is doing that not just in real life, though you're really good at it in real life, but really at scale. So talk to us about how do these skills we're talking about now, about the people that you both are influenced by and have the ability to influence, 
you you know how to do that maybe offline. I know how to read books, but how do I do that in this digital world that we live in, and how do I do it at scale? It's interesting because for me, like I mentioned, and for most people who are our age, it did not start in a digital world. We're just at the cusp of it was an analog world that we were yeah. born into. Yeah. And around the time we were probably in fifth, sixth, seventh grade, we started getting dial-up at our yeah. house, so it started to change and shift some. But before that, the video cameras that our parents had came in suitcases, yeah, right. and they were too heavy for me to... My yeah. mom didn't let me ha- do it yeah. until I was 12, yeah. right? So w- here's the thing uh, that I think. It's I have a desire, um, an unconscious um, request in me always to try to evoke emotion in other people. And I think that can be used for good or evil, yeah. be manipulate yeah. people. But for me, you know, I did baseball. I did minor league baseball as an MC in our uh, city for 10 years. And so every night for 70 plus games, uh, 5,000 people come to experience a great evening with Mm -hmm. their family and friends. My job is to make sure they have a good time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, part of the, I think the God-given nature and nurture in me is my job is to help other people experience some emotion. That's just what I like to do. And could be manipulative or yeah. whatever, but I want to make them sad. I want to make them happy. Yeah. I want to make them laugh at something. Yeah. I want to make them remember something. And for me, that's like, well, how do I do that? And so it translated into some hard skills in terms of using social platforms, learning how to run a camera. But mostly it's I do the same thing in person that I do on the screen. Yeah, I'm just doing the same thing. It's just utilizing. So I think that's... <laughs> Something that I, I've got lots of content and I um, can do a decent job at teaching somebody something. I've experienced a fair amount of success in life, but I am not very good at telling stories that evoke those kinds of emotions. And what you said, absolutely, I don't want to be manipulative, um, but I think there is this tremendous power. People that learn things via story, they remember them more, they've experience them more richly it's it's a richer it's just it's totally different a lecture versus a story of course right different right so to anybody that's hearing us talk and they're like yeah i'm kind of like tim i'm I'm the boring guy that has a lot of important things to say but i don't really know how to say them uh, in a way that gets people to listen and stop what they're doing and remember um what's some advice that you have for us this is what I tell, and I've I've coached people into thinking this way for a long time, and sometimes, I don't know if it's right or wrong, I've never heard anyone else do it, but when we talk about social media, in the last 10 plus years, we have started to talk about them in terms of the words that actually mirror how we grew up watching TV. Channels. Yeah. On channels, you have shows. Yeah. And people need to start thinking about their life or utilizing their social media as a show. And this post is an episode of the show. Okay. So the show is, hey, I want to um, – uh, so let's think in terms of uh, – so I'm also the MC for Clemson University basketball yep. for a long time. So the show is people who love Clemson would watch this channel. Yeah. And then the show is the sport. Yeah. 
And then this game is an episode. Yeah. So what does an episode have in it? It has, number one, conflict. Stories have to have conflict. They have to have, we're trying to get the ball in the basket more yep. often than the other team. Yep. But it also has cast members, and those are the people in the show, right? And we make them popular. So you think in terms of producing something, it's, I'm a character in the show. Yep. So as I'm going to be the MC, it's, I'm playing someone here. I'm on stage. So sure, it's really me, and it says my name on the back of the jersey, but I'm a character in the show. On this episode, that's the game, and you start thinking about it like we all understand that. We've been binge-watching The Office 400 times. You've got to understand. We're characters, and characters are in the show and on the channel and whatever. So if you... Well, I don't post in social media that often. Well, that's no problem. I'm not saying that has to be your opinion. Um, that you post all the time or you have to um, always be on. But I'm saying, but your channel doesn't have any shows? Yeah. (laughs) Like, who would watch this? Who would watch it? Yeah, Yeah. because your channel doesn't produce any content. Like, you need a show on there. And then here's another thing about what, oddly enough, what our world has turned into is when you turn on the TV for the news at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 11 o'clock, they always have an episode, whether or not they have anything valuable to talk about. (laughs) Don't they? Yes. So at five o'clock, they're going to talk for 30 minutes, even if they didn't come up with anything worthwhile. Yeah. People need to get in the habit and the practice of doing that more regularly when they have stories to tell, even if they're not good at telling stories today. Well, we still need to have an episode. Yeah. So say something. So many questions. So first of all, what do you say to the person that says, JD, that sounds like you're being fake. Like you're, that's not authentic to have a show. Like you're putting on this persona and it's not real. Like that almost feels dishonest. What do you say to people like that? Well, there is, for me, I get to cheat because there's Jeremiah. Yeah. That's what my mom calls yeah. me. But there's also J. Do, and it's yeah. a character I play. Yeah. And they are the same person. But we live in a world, I think, where those things are getting foggier and foggier. Yeah. And it's okay to tell a story out there um, even though it may not be everything that you're thinking. Now, at the same time, people relate to real people. Yeah. So you can let them know when you're not doing so well either. Now, we all have those friends who are like, hey, they're not fake, but they're so real, I don't ever want to listen to any yeah, of their right. stuff, right? So, um, But the thing is, you've got to think that, you know, when I roll over in the morning and I pull up a little Twitter and I pull up a little Facebook and I'm watching some Instagram reels or something like that, I'm a consumer, Mm-hmm. I want to be entertained. My grandmother leaves the television on when she leaves the house. Give them a show then. Yeah. Put a show on yeah. for them. Because yeah. when they come home, they like to look at things and yeah. see a show. So it's okay. So I think for me, tell me if this makes sense to you. For me, I think it, it makes me feel better about this concept if I think about how can I create the most value for people. I'm not going to be dishonest. Uh, I'm not going to say something that isn't true. And I'm not going to be fake exactly, but I am going to carefully curate what it is that I say and how I say it in order to create more value for them. So whether that's entertainment value or whether that's more educational value, I'm I'm going to be um, thoughtful, even strategic about how I deliver this information in order to maximize the value. Because to be honest with you, if you just sat in on my life, like you know, a big percentage of my life is kind of boring. And people don't want to watch the boring part. Sure. So by curating what it is that I say and how I say it, I'm actually doing people a service. It doesn't mean that I'm being dishonest. I'm just creating Agreed. more value for them. Is that a fair way to look at it? Uh, yes, 100%. Here's another thing that I think that we all have a misperception about as well. Um, 
misconception, misperception about is 98% of all of our lives are exactly the same. Mm. But why is it that my life, or compared to your life, looks a little bit more exciting? It's because I learned how to tell the stories. Yeah. But I have kids at home who didn't sleep last night. You have kids at home that didn't sleep last night. I ate a banana for breakfast. You (laughs) ate a banana for for breakfast. So what is the difference? The difference is I learned how to flavor a story. Yeah. That's all it is. It's not my life is actually more interesting. It's that when I see an opportunity or feel an opportunity or, or I got a script ready for another episode, I know how to curate that yeah so i can make eating a banana more exciting than you but we both ate a banana that's the thing that sometimes you know folks don't and i think there's there's something to say there about extrovert and introvert and the personality types but at home you'll catch jeremiah at home reading a decent amount in the office on the computer a decent amount but i just think where are the stories today yeah so I'll think of something and I'll find it to a way to post. So somebody out there listening to this or watching this is going to say, "Yeah, that's great for you because you're an entertainer and you that's that's your whole brand and that's how you make a living in this sure. world." Um, <laughs> but I'm an accountant. I'm a business owner. I'm a, whatever they are. Um, what's the practical benefit for for building your channel, for putting out more episodes, for developing a show? Why would somebody do that? It's a great question, and think of it like this. I'm interested in what you know because I'm great at storytelling as an entertainer, let's say. But I would like to be better in business. And if you are not putting out your business boring, slow, not in, then I won't receive the value, and I'm looking for the value. There are a lot of people in the world that we have now, there is niche everywhere. It is drilled down so thin. So I can be a black dad, Greenvillian, South Carolinian, Christian guy, and I can find a group for that. If you put out the content and put the hashtags on it, then I can find you, you know, because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that connection. I'm looking for stories. I'm looking for people. So the, the, the storytelling there can also be for people who are maybe entrepreneurial in business is to remember that you're always telling a story and you're selling yourself to clients or new opportunities or new connections. So you need to put stuff out there so people even know. Um, we have traditionally, human history, done that through physical contact and connection with people. But now we can do it through the mediums that are hardware and airwaves. So you need to put that stuff out there. If you're looking to grow and expand, it's not going away. Yeah, And it's not about whether or not you love it, but realize everyone else is on the platforms. Yeah. So. Talk to them there. So let me dig a little bit deeper. Let's say you've got some really practical person out there that's really busy saying, um, yeah, again, great. It's easy for you. But for me, that would take a lot of time and effort. What's the payoff? Like why would I – okay, somebody – I mean you said there's somebody that wants to know what you know. Great. I, I can be altruistic. I can be generous and share my knowledge. But I, ain't nobody got time for that. Right. So, so what's the – why would I – build this channel and go to all this effort. I think it's the same reason that you're here and you asked me to help you and guide you and coach you because we don't know what we don't know. Because I've had a story in my mind that I thought was going to be interesting or fun or cool or um, informative or educational, someone has found me and let's say on a very uh, practical sense, on a very dollars and cents um, 
was at stake there, they paid me money because I'd put a story out there. I've made a lot of money because I decided to put my information out there for no reason other than I think this would be interesting or fun for somebody. Yeah, yeah. And that does not come back maybe today or tomorrow, but down the road because I built those skills or built a following, someone contacts me and says, I've got money for you to be a part of what we're doing in the world. And that has opened up all these opportunities that that I didn't know existed because I only posted this because I thought it was cute the way my kid did that little dance. Yeah. But it turned out into something that got sponsored and like, hey, we got to see your kid dance every Monday, man. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Bo Eason, uh, some of you, I don't know if you follow Bo or know Bo, but um, former NFL uh, safety and has built a second career around – uh, telling stories and teaching people how to tell stories. Really interesting story I won't get into, but he he is famous for saying in a generation or not even a generation in 20 years, I don't remember what, he, what his time frame is, but he says the highest paid people in the world are going to be the storytellers because so much is being automated and so much is being commoditized, but people who can tell stories are, are going to be the most valuable resource asset that there is. Um, I don't know for sure that he's right, but I do think increasingly as i think about people who have tremendous influence in the world they are more and more they're good at telling stories and again when i say stories i don't mean fiction right um but they're good at connecting with an audience and delivering information sometimes it's knowledge sometimes it's persuasive content sometimes it's just entertainment but they're good at delivering information in a way that makes people sit up and pay attention 100%. and enjoy reading it. Yeah. And and so that's yeah, you're right. That's one of the reasons why I'm working with you is I want to learn how to whether it's a speech that I'm giving to employees or whether it's a speech from a big stage to thousands of people or whether it's me looking into a camera saying something that's going to be distributed to tens or hundreds of thousands of people via uh, social media or whatever, I want to get better at delivering content that connects with people, that draws them in, that they remember, that they enjoy. And and I think as I do that, I don't know all the ways it's going to pay off. There's going to be some immediate concrete opportunities maybe, but but I know that I'm going to create more value for people the better I get at this. And that value is eventually going to come back to me. 100%. I think because when you say um, people who can, you know, storytellers will rule the world or rule the world of business in 10, 20 years and things like that. You think about somebody like the richest people on the planet right now, <clears throat> Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos is in that top three, four, five, wherever he is today. Yep. Um, he tells a story, but not personally, and it's not fiction. He tells a story about products in the world through his website. Mm -hmm. So when I go to his website, it has every product on there I could imagine, and then there's reviews and there's descriptions. See, he's learned how to mass... Um, and scale storytelling about things mm -hmm. that I might want or need that make my life better, or easier, or quicker, mm -hmm. or faster. Okay. And it, see, it's the same thing. He just did it through, I'm not going to tell a story about my life, or I'm not going to physically be in the room. I'm going to learn how to connect this mug, the story of this mug, who made it, where it came from, how much it costs, to everyone's house. And that's made him tons of money. And he rules the world of e-commerce, you yeah. know? And it's the, really the same thing there. So... I agree with you very much so. It's not about controlling what people think, but it is about controlling what people think about. Mm. Huge deal there, because when I'm doing a baseball game, 
my job is to make sure everyone thinks about how much fun they're having and that they should come back. What I'm not in control of and what I'm trying to maybe on a really bad day not make them think think is, wow, we're a bad team. We lost. I want them to think about fun, you know? So it's not about whether or not we win or lose. It's about how the person felt. Well, I had a great time. So I'll come back and do that experience again. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What else should uh, I or our listening audience know about storytelling and connecting with people at scale? At scale, what you need to think about, you listeners out there, Tim right here, is that social media is free. Okay? You can sign up on almost any platform at that, that reaches to the masses. It's absolutely free. So... Just post something else. Yeah, <laughs> just post just something else. Yes, it's free. It's uh, if you hate it so bad, or they troll you so deeply, then delete it. Yep. It does not matter. So just post something else. It is amazing that I mean, just a couple decades ago, if you wanted to reach people, you had to spend a lot of money on primetime TV or whatever, or even the newspaper. A whole, yeah, right. a newspaper, yep. or direct mail, or whatever. You had to spend a lot of money to get in there. And now, if your content is good enough, it's like the democratization of content. Uh, unknown to human history just post yeah just post it and post something else there you have it folks just go post something (laughs)